0: Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook, facebook.com slash
1: Elwood City Limits, Twitter at ECL Podcast, Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com, and Gmail, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com.
0: And from listeners like you, thank you, and my free time, got to get that in there.
1: some bad news.
0: Uh-oh. Bad news. I know this zini. is
1: the uh, Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur podcast. We usually watch an episode of Arthur and talk about it. But I wasn't able to watch an episode this week because I looked directly at the eclipse. No! And oh, so no. now I'm, I'm completely blind. Uh, so I was able to listen to this episode and kind of infer the rest through context clues. But uh, I don't think I'll be watching Arthur or pretty much anything else ever again.
0: Oh man, that's awful! Now you're gonna have to get uh, you're gonna have to get Cortana to help you all around your uh, your laptop. And I mean, to say nothing of driving to work and uh, getting groceries. And well, I mean, what was what was the last thing you saw? I mean, uh, wh- what was the, what was the last thing you got a good gander at before you decided to look at the sun?
1: Uh, it was the price of those glasses that you're supposed to buy. <laughs> uh, and I said, "Oh, I'm no sucker." I was like, "Oh, the eclipse is just like how." Valentine's Day was invented by Hallmark to sell cards. The Eclipse was just invented by optometrists to sell Eclipse glasses. I don't need any Eclipse glasses. Uh, And, well, that was my downfall because now I can't see.
0: That went from galactic brain thinking to, uh, well, (laughs) the tragic outcome we could have imagined. Well, Lucas, all you need to do is be able to hear the sound of my voice just as uh, our (laughs) listeners are as well for this latest episode of Elwood City Limits. Uh, my name is Will Young, and unfortunately, my blind uh, uh, my blinded by the light co-host is Lucas Mancini.
1: Wait, I think it's coming back to me now. I, I I can see my notes in front of me. It's a miracle.
0: The scales are falling from your eyes there on the way to, <laughs> on the way to the Damascus that is this podcast. Okay, Lu- L- Lucas, we've got ourselves a couple of uh, emails this week. Are you ready to get into them?
1: Let's get on with it.
0: Okay, so our first one comes from our buddy Josias from New Jersey. Uh, he asks If you had infinite money, resources, and time, and you were asked to write and direct a new Arthur movie, what would it be? The only limit is that it obviously still needs to be a kids' movie. Now we're talking. Mm. We're talking potential directors here. We're talking actors. I feel like a couple of times we have actually started the cast for the live-action Arthur movie. But oh, I so it
1: it is live action because for a second I was just uh, I thought Josiah was asking us to make a like Rugrats do Paris style or should I say Recess the movie, uh, Re- which has, has been a topic. To, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it could be either or. You could do a really uh, slam bang. Uh, animated movie but and get some celebrity voices for that if you wanted to Hmm. um uh, i think that that would probably be the way to go because i feel like doing the live action arthur movie might uh, might have a chance of alienating the core audience
1: no it could be a little bit grotesque like live action cat in the hat or something
0: or if you did it in like a sort of like an indie Wes Anderson type of way. I was it,
1: just going to say, like an adult, like live action uh, Arthur, where it's just like normal people, but they have ears, like animal ears.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, or it could end up looking like the, the live action. I mean, I'm just thinking this now because I've been watching it recently, like Bojack Horseman, where there's mm. like all kinds of. Now, you want to talk about a show that really blurs the line between animals and funny animals? It's Bojack Horseman.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we're keeping the funny, the funny animal thread going.
0: I think that uh, well, I, um, and I'm seeing it crop up a lot of places too. Ever since you said funny animals, you know, like I watched a Disney cartoon recently, and that was on my mind. BoJack Horseman, same thing. So I, I think that's probably something that's going to stick with me for a very, very uh, long time. Uh, so the so the Arthur movie, bit of a, a bit of a, a long, longer form question, uh, Lucas. If you if you or I think of anything. As we record this podcast, let me know. I'd love to hear kind of more of your uh, producer's notes for this uh, uh, prospective movie.
1: I'll say this: let's say let's cast Idris Elba as Arthur, <laughs> and let's ca- let's cast Ed Norton as Buster. That's all I got so far. Okay,
0: Ed Norton, I think it's almost a little too intense to be Buster. He's not he's not exactly good at being. I mean, hey, uh, hey, straight up, this is a very intense first casting uh for arthur so we're really getting into the adult problems of it all
1: how about yourself well anything
0: um not off the top of my head i just uh, i feel like this is the time where i should know more uh more young actors more young actors in their 20s i feel like that would be the role to fill and then or you could do like a big the big chill arthur style
1: Oh, man. Maybe about less serious subject matter, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If there's anything else, I will try and think of it. Uh, Josias also asks, who would win the fight, Arthur or Doug Funny from uh, uh, Nickelodeon's Doug?
1: Well, I feel like Arthur's got a lot more punching experience, as we're going to figure out in later Arthur episodes. And I don't think I've ever seen Doug Funny punch anybody, so I'm going to give it to Arthur.
0: Right, unless uh, Doug is in his... uh... His quail man persona. Then, Arthur, better watch out. Uh, we also got an email here from Leanne. Uh, Hi, guys. My name is Leanne. I'm 23 years old. I'm from New Brunswick. Oh, hey! <laughs> As a fellow Maritimer, when I found that you guys were from Nova Scotia, when I started listening back a few months ago, I got really excited uh, Leanne found out about our podcast from the popular Arthur-themed Tumblr page, Out of Context Arthur, which I uh, which I check every day. If you've not heard of the page, it's really worth looking at. I agree. Check out Out of Context Arthur on Tumblr after you're done looking at uh, our Tumblr page. Uh, Shout so, out, gang gang. Yep. Yeah, uh, some very nice words about the podcast. Uh, she also says that she wants to agree with you, Lucas. She said that Prunella is one of her least favorite characters. <laughs>
1: That's our anti-Prinella Brigade marches on.
0: She does get more developed as a character later on in the series, but I'm still not a huge fan of hers. As a last and final note, I just want to add that some of my favorite episodes of Arthur include April 9th, The Blizzard, The Rat Who Came to Dinner, Arthur and the Big Riddle featuring Alex Trebek, and Sleep No More. I actually remember all of those episodes, and uh, I look very much forward uh, to talking about them, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Leanne, thanks so much for that one. Also, uh, I can't believe this took me that long. I didn't realize that uh, anonymous asks were disabled on ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, so I put that up in case you uh, don't want to put your identity out there, but you want to ask us a question. Uh, we got this anonymous question, and I knew I had to. I knew I had to ask you, Lucas. What kind of animal would Guy Fieri be in the Arthur universe?
1: Uh, a giraffe.
0: Why giraffe? Uh,
1: I don't know. It's color palette similar to the color palette of his hair. Okay, uh, so it's the first thing that came to mind. I'm trying to figure out which animal is the most fuego. Oh, also a giraffe's got a really big tongue, much like Guy Fieri's tongue uh, when he's about to take a bite into whatever he eats in Flavor Town.
0: Uh, I was thinking uh, my personal answer was a bunny because uh, that uh, he kind of has a bit of a kindred spirit in Buster. That's true. He's almost like Buster fully realized as an adult.
1: Buster and uh, Guy Fieri both have a uh, tourist visa to Flavortown, which they visit often, so it makes sense.
0: Okay, so let's get into our pair of stories today, and uh, well, this one, this first one, is definitely going to... Left me with a lot of talking points, and I hope it does the same for us, too. It's Arthur's faraway Friend. I'm going to say probably one of the most exciting openings and dramatic openings to an Arthur episode that we've had so far.
1: And it's a through line from the last episode. They were finishing off the last episode talking about Robin Hood, uh, Buster's supposed first book he ever finished. And so that's what kicks off this episode. It's cool to watch them in order and see that through line.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is uh, kind of that vaunted continuity that we talked about earlier, or I should say in the last episode. Uh, check it out if you haven't yet. But yeah, it's very, very dramatic. Uh, Arthur is dressed as Robin Hood, rescuing Pal from a castle keep. And uh, the castle is guarded by just basically clones of Binky, who are the uh, the castle guards. And uh, I, was, I will say great music in this opening. I thought that the medieval-type intrigue music was... Uh, uh, very reminiscent of uh, um, like a major film. It sounded really good.
1: Yeah, it's almost Hans Zimmer esque, uh, and it's very, uh, uh, um, very like dramatic, more cinematic than we usually hear the Arthur stings be.
0: Mm. Uh, and and of course, they are rescued by Friar Buster, uh, who comes in first in like a convertible, and then they kind of snap back to reality. And Arthur says. Uh, there were no cars in uh, medieval times, so Buster changes it to a car, a horse-drawn cart. And then I, then... I
1: wrote down that Arthur needs to learn how to yes and.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, props to Buster for thinking outside the box. That's uh, kind of a good thing for kids to be able to do. But Arthur, very much a stickler, uh, doesn't want no nobody going off the script in his movie. You'll have to forgive me; I don't exactly remember. Where the cold opening uh, stops, actually, I think it might be.
1: That's actually because it's very abrupt. They kind of get away and it's like a smash cut to usually this would be where the scene zooms out and either Arthur addresses the camera or we get some further context about how this is a story they're telling. But Mm. it's a really abrupt ending to the opening.
0: And the episode begins with them finishing off reading uh, Robin Hood. They're doing kind of this like they're doing this like team, this tag team reading kind of thing where they're both reading the same time, but then they have to wait for the other person to turn the page when they're done. I I, I've never really done that, and it seems like a really ineffective way uh, to read a book and then communicate with it to your friend.
1: I agree. I wrote down co op reading seems crappy. Like it it. it, I don't know. Reading is a very like individual, uh, independent activity. You're sort of the theater is your mind, right? So it's not something that it seems fun to do with someone else reading over your shoulder as well. And you're like racing and you have to wait for the other person to finish the page. It You're, you hit the nail on the head when you said it was ineffective.
0: It just seems like the kind of idea that younger kids would have. So go figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get to the end of the book, uh, And since it is Robin Hood, I mean, uh, Arthur and Buster are kind of wondering what kind of great adventures that they had after the book was over. And, hey, spoilers for anybody who hasn't read the book Robin Hood, but he dies at the end.
1: Oh, I didn't know that either.
0: Well, see, when I was younger, um, there were these um, chapter books that were basically uh, very, very simple versions of classic literature. It was like I had one for Tom Sawyer, Robin Hood, um, you know there are other ones for like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Moby Dick, just for kind of a lower reading level. And yeah, totally. Robin Hood uh, dies at the end; he gets poisoned, I think.
1: Does Russell Crowe die in the movie?
0: Uh, now that I can't tell you because that's probably playing a bit fast and loose with the old Robin <laughs> Hood lore. Also, require me to watch that movie, which new? Thank you. So Arthur and Buster decide that instead of. You know, wondering what they are going to do, they decide to write their own story, which I think is actually a really cool idea and uh, kind of inspired me as a kid. I remember, uh, you know, I didn't actually write anything because, well, that would require me to do something. But uh, no, they decide to write their own book about the continuing adventures of Robin Hood or perhaps Arthur Hood and Friar Buster. So immediately they start to imagine it in front of them. There's, like, brigands attacking the treehouse. There's several of them on hang gliders. And
1: and again, they're all binky. I want to point that out, that, like, if there's ever an antagonist in their imaginations, it is always binky for some reason.
0: Yeah, it's, like, binky or, like, the rye bread version of binky. You ever have those like uh, those, like, bits and bites where it's, like, there's a regular kind of chip and then there's a rye bread version of that chip. It's, like, the same thing.
1: I see what you mean. Uh,
0: and a couple of them are even riding an Apatosaurus, which uh, doesn't seem to be – I think is one of the more docile dinosaurs, but we'll let them have their fun. And then they uh, kind of move over to the library where they continue to really excitedly are writing their book. And again, I think it's a really neat idea. Um they continue on Arthur wrote an entire new chapter of the book overnight when he gets to school the next day and he goes to his regular desk with Arthur uh, excuse me with Buster uh, Francine and Brain and everybody's looking really sad and Arthur is uh, kind of clueless uh, as to uh, why that is Buster says he's going to go stay with his dad which seems to be which, a reg- sorry go ahead
1: This is but this is such a cra- like the way this scene is framed and the implications of this scene is not like something we've seen in an Arthur episode before. Like, it's really got the feeling of... It's got more in common with a show like the OC or something. Mm. Uh, Like, there's a gravitas to this moment of, like, uh, everybody besides Arthur, because he's not in the know, is very serious, and especially the way Buster delivers the line, I'm going to go stay with my dad for a while. Usually, Arthur is like one of those shows where all the characters are pretty much where we left them in the previous episode every time. It's something that Simpsons plays with and jokes about all the time. And so it's interesting for something to happen in an episode, not since the introduction of Pal has something happened in an episode that has such lasting implications.
0: Yeah, it's not quite life and death, but it is It is treated very seriously, albeit with one big caveat, and we'll get into that in just a little bit here. But yeah, uh, Arthur doesn't seem surprised by this. In fact, Buster seems to go uh, spend weekends with his dad all the time, which uh, was actually something I had a friend whose parents... Uh, were divorced when I was younger, and that was kind of uh, his deal over the weekends. Uh, was that he would go and spend Saturday and Sunday with his dad, so I could only hang out with him on the weekdays. But this time, Buster says that he's that he says this time I'm gonna stay, and that's a big uh a big thing to happen to Arthur. Uh, Lucas, you ever have a friend who uh, moved away while you were in school?
1: No, I don't think so. I had people I had like I I knew kind of Ansler. Uh. I knew kind of uh, I wasn't good friends with them, but they were just outside my friend group. So I had people I knew of that moved away, but never a close friend of mine.
0: Mm. I had a couple friends who moved away when I was in elementary school, and that was that was pretty tough. And especially um, when you consider the fact that this is something that, you know, it it, it happens. It's a normal part of of childhood. It's a good thing that we have uh, kind of this Arthur having this experience uh, for these kids who are going through it because it can be tough sometimes. Um. Okay. So I mentioned that they, you know, they're playing this up very seriously. It's almost like it's, you know, like a live-action sitcom where it's like the actor's last uh, episode, and they're going to be going away forever. Um. But there's one thing that actually kind of undermines it when Arthur and Buster are kind of talking about Buster going away. Uh, Arthur says something to the effect of, "You know, a couple of months is practically forever," and for some <laughs> for some reason I didn't remember that. And I remembered it being like indefinite when I watched this as a kid of just like Buster's going away and never coming back? Question mark. But no, it's it's literally just a couple of months. It seems almost for the summer, so a couple of months really isn't that long of a time, and it actually kind of colored the rest of the episode for me of just like, dude, it's a couple of months. He'll be he'll be back soon. I know that it seems long for uh, for a kid, but really it's not as bad as it could be.
1: But think about it's your whole summer, right? So imagine if you had a summer where, I mean, I don't know about you, but personally, like the times I spend the most time with my best friend would have been during the summertime where we're hanging out almost every day, it seemed. So not being able to uh, spend the summer with that person like you would normally be able to probably seems a lot more drastic, especially when you're Arthur or Buster's age.
0: Yeah, I guess so. It's just a different way of looking at it now that I'm an adult. I've had friends move away who, like, I literally don't know the next time that I'll that I'll see them. It could be years from now. So it, it, so it seems a little bit small potatoes, but I suppose it is just a bit of a different mindset. I like this here from Buster. It's a, kind of something that he comes back to a couple of times. Uh, you know, he says, I don't want to go, but I kind of do. I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, they didn't write Buster as just like, oh, I don't want to go with my dad. You know, this is going to be awful. It's like he is sad that he has to leave, but he also does want to go with his dad, ultimately.
1: It's also an interesting flip of the characters because Buster actually kind of seems like he's accepted the situation. And Arthur is the one panicking, trying to come up with harebrained schemes to make him stay, which is seems like almost a more Buster thing to do. I thought it was a cool thing to do with the characters.
0: Yeah, me too. And, I mean, speaking of harebrained schemes, it's in Arthur's backyard where he hatches the plan that uh, (laughs) he can, they can dig Buster a pit and he can stay in Arthur's backyard for the next two months.
1: I don't know. Maybe they could hold, like, a fighting tournament and Buster could be a pit fighter.
0: (laughs) Or or something. I don't know. He's going to have to find something to do, like, dug in the backyard. And Buster kind of goes along with it at first and, uh, Arthur's like, I'll sneak you leftovers from the table, and, uh, Buster says, rightly so, uh, staying with my dad is a lot more fun than living in a pit, but Arthur is, like, desperately, desperately trying to hold on to him, and, in fact, the kind of imagination that comes right after this, Arthur kind of sees Buster wanting to leave, or at least being okay with leaving, as almost like a life-or-death betrayal. It's another, um, it's another Robin Hood scene where Arthur's, like, scaling a cliff and Buster's holding a rope. And then he just he just says, oh, I gotta go. See ya. And then just drops it and Arthur presumably falls to his death in the water below.
1: It's like he missed a quick time event in Uncharted.
0: Yeah, really. And then, just, oh, God, Nate!
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here, <clears throat> come over here. I'll give you a boost.
0: <clears throat> or whatever. Oh. The, the, te- the death music. He's taking it very seriously. Um, in fact, he's talking with later to to Francine, but ma- basically to Sue Ellen when they're on the uh, on the playground. Arthur's very despondent at this point. There's a point at home where he doesn't want to eat dinner, and DW's like, "Can can I eat his dessert?" That kind Arthur
1: of... says to Sue Ellen. He goes, "He could have stayed and lived in a pit, but he said no."
0: What does that which tell I thought you? Was funny,
1: which which <laughs> I thought was funny. He was like, he had a perfectly good pit. I don't understand.
0: Yeah, and it's just like, what does that tell you? He doesn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> he doesn't want to live in my pit, so he's basically dead to me. But, mm-hmm. Su- but Sue Ellen, who has kind of a similar situation that we don't know too much about just yet, but uh, you know, she has been you know traveling all around the world and had to move several times, she's able to provide a bit more emotional understanding uh, in are in for Buster's position and that he's probably feeling very lonely because he's losing all his friends instead of Arthur just losing one and everything else kind of staying the same. So Arthur says that Buster needs a friend now more than ever and decides to uh, accompany Buster on his farewell tour of Elwood City, which is basically uh, him just going to all of the hits like the soccer field, uh, the tree house, the sugar bowl, and waving goodbye to things that he's going to miss. Uh, I really
1: like what you said about uh, uh, how this episode kind of feels like Buster is a character that's getting written out of a sitcom because this was very it had that same sort of uh, melancholy That those episodes tend to have where it's like, oh, let's watch this character we like Uh, say goodbye to all these people in this show. I don't know. It's like a very sweet moment, but it's also got some humor, too, because he's waving goodbye to these inanimate objects.
0: Yeah, like he waves goodbye to a milkshake before he eats it. You ever wave goodbye to food before you eat
1: it? No, uh, no, I don't. I can't say I have.
0: I'm going to try that next time, see if it makes it taste better. And the final thing is he waves goodbye to Elwood City. Uh, from the treehouse and then we get into well the scene that I'm sure is very well remembered for a lot of kids who watched Arthur because I I, I, I it, it doesn't have the same effect on me now but I, I think I remember as a kid this was particularly heartbreaking I would have been about seven years old at the time and really even though Buster was gone for quote-unquote two months whatever that would translate to in episode time you know you didn't know when he was coming back so it's the scene at his apartment, basically, where he's in the car with his mom and but- and Arthur's saying goodbye, you know, saying that Treehouse will still be there when he gets back. You know, I, I won't even try to match the emotional uh, tone of it all, but then starts to drive away. Arthur kind of runs after him for a little bit. <laughs>
1: it's really have- that French, like, girl-on-a-train movie moment where it's <laughs> like, Au revoir, Buster! I'll never forget you, Finn!
0: Or- or like Lisa and Mr. Bergstrom kind of running <laughs> yeah. after running after the train. Exactly. And th- then Arthur just kind of quietly says goodbye, Buster, and s- starts to kind of cry as he walks away. It's it's very sad. And I'm sure I would have been right. Just as sad uh, because it's really even again, even though that they've put the time limit on it, it's they're, they're treating this very seriously.
1: Arthur bon voyage Um, there's this great shot uh, after Buster leaves where it's sort of a shot that we don't see this show use very often uh, where it's like an overhead with uh, uh, Arthur walking down the cul-de-sac by himself and he's like sort of downtrodden I thought it was a really cool way to uh, fade out the scene though it is a little bit reminiscent of the uh, extra of the old Hulk TV show that people make fun of all the time
0: yeah and the music itself is kind of like an ex- it feels like an extended version of their like normal sad piano music and it feels mm. very affecting like you know it almost brings a tear to your eye if you were listening to it on its own back at home uh, it's kind of a cut to I think it's like the next morning or something uh, mom and dad are reading newspapers in the living room did you notice that mom's newspaper said stock market crashes no I did not notice this the stock market crash of 1998 uh people are selling their shares and trying to get rid of everything man i don't remember that crash happening
1: oh uh, there was some sort of i oh, see i just watched i've just been watching the 90s on cnn like i was saying and there was some sort of uh, uh tumultuous times i think there was a recession in the bush senior years that uh, uh you know bill clinton uh took credit for getting america out of but i do not remember the exact date so this actually could have lined up with something in the 90s i feel like 98's way too late though
0: yeah uh i will note that i i did i did previously say for season 2 that it takes place in 97 uh there is a bit of a jump i think i feel like it was actually uh maybe this episode or the episode previous where production the where it was released in 1997 about maybe half the season and then the other half is in like uh spring 1998 so that's where we're into right now in terms of real life uh airing yeah arthur runs downstairs and realizes that he forgot to give buster the pages to uh to his book and is still really dejected that buster's gone in fact he's so dejected that he's almost treating it like buster's dead
1: in a way I'm sorry to laugh but like it's so ridiculous like in the next scene where he's playing hockey and then we get this weird Star Wars reference that kind of comes out of nowhere and like I feel like they wanted to put it in but they didn't have a payoff for it because right. we have uh, Arthur see the ghost of Buster, and it's very much reminiscent of the ghost of Obi-Wan from Star Wars, and he even tells Arthur to use the Force. <laughs> Arthur goes, what does that mean? And Buster goes, I don't know, I thought it'd be funny, and then disappears. So it's like, what was the point of that?
0: Yeah, really. Uh, I, and I say that because not only is there, like, a Force ghost, but, like, he calls Francine, or Francine calls him just, like, want to go to the Sugar Bowl? And he's just like, sure, I'll just call Buster and see if he wants to go. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> it's real. It's really like it, it almost feels like when you lose when you lose somebody close to you. Or like, mm. geez, I mean, I, I I guess I wouldn't really know. But it's it, it seems a little bit uh more serious at times than he's just uh moved away for a couple of months. Uh, Arthur goes to Buster's house to visit Bitsy, actually, to uh, see if he can mail Buster a letter. He needs the address, and uh, it's been said before, and it was said I believe earlier in this episode. But uh, Buster's dad is a pilot, so even though Arthur can send him a letter to his address, he won't get it for a long time because they're going to be flying all over the world uh, during Buster's travels.
1: Did Bitsy's voice actress change? She seems less annoying.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure that she did get a new voice actor. She seems a lot more normal and a lot a lot less more less manic. A person. Yeah, a lot less of like a mom stereotype and she seems more of a character in fact she comforts arthur here she says you know i miss him too but he's not gone forever which actually followed up in immediately we cut to the reed house and arthur's just he's gone forever i know it <laughs> but there is a bit of a uh, silver lining because a package came in the mail for arthur and he immediately recognizes it's from buster because as Arthur says, he always spells read wrong. He can read all right, but he can't write read. Arthur's name spelled R-I-E-D instead of R-E-A-D. The normal way. Which is,
1: which is the first of two who's on first style jokes in this episode.
0: <laughs> uh, so it's a couple of landmarks where Arthur has been, or excuse me, where Buster has been already. And uh, the chapter for their, the next chapter for their adventure book and he says he's going to places like Paris, New York, and Walla Walla. And, and that's where
1: DW you... comes through with the second Who's On First Joke, where she goes, Walla Walla, where's Walla Walla? What's Walla Walla?
0: Yeah, so they had to, had to get a couple of very quick DW zingers in this episode. Uh, she's not very much around to speak of.
1: Uh, so, walla? We, yeah. Walla? Walla? Where's Walla? Walla? Was it the Walla with the Walla?
0: Who said I left up bad bougie?
1: <laughs> who, who 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 said I gotta on a bougie? Say what? What? Come again? Come again?
0: Yeah. Wait, what did it say? <laughs>
1: what is <you say? laughs> it? And we get a couple of snapshots
0: of scenes from their new book. We're clearly, uh, we're getting into very much fan fiction territory with uh, Arthur and Buster. Yeah, P- yeah, yeah. P- like,
1: it's it seems like in uh, Buster's absence, Arthur started them up a fanfiction.net account.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of creative license because the first thing is they are flying over Mount Rushmore in what looks to be the helicopter from Far Cry 4. <laughs> the like there's just a little, a little dinky one. I don't know what those ones are called. The ones that are like one person. Yeah.
1: Small motor, uh, yeah.
0: There's like them climbing up the Empire State Building on suction cups, and there's a dinosaur at the top of it, a la King Kong. Uh there's one where they are going on a ski lift, which kind of reminded me of Resident Evil 4. And uh then the final one is them in a chocolate factory as the uh the Binky Stooges kind of pop out of the chocolate vat.
1: And Art- Which I, I I loved this because Arthur's like, we have to save the tourists. And then Buster goes, and the chocolate. Of course. And just the idea of like Robin Hood interacting with tourists is just funny to me. Hmm. And Especially then- because like when the binkies pop out of the chocolate, they're still dressed in their like Robin Hood Guard gear.
0: Yeah, they are like the whole time. It, it really never changes. It doesn't exactly modernize, but so are they. They're still dressed as Arthur Hood and uh, Friar Buster. And the episode ends actually on a very positive note, which I absolutely think was the right way to go. Arthur is putting up pictures that Buster took at all the places that he went, uh, and he's saying that he's okay if Buster doesn't come back immediately, because there's still a lot of places that he has to go to, and uh, he wants Buster to have as many adventures as they can uh, so he can have fun and so that they can uh, keep up the writing on their adventure book.
1: Right before that, we get the introduction of uh, Buster's dad and his first line. We have a quick cutaway to Paris, mm. uh, where Buster and his dad are sort of reenacting the end of The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like thats It's almost a shot-for-shot remake of that scene. Not quite, but still. Uh, and we hear Buster's dad, who's got a very like masculine, like, I am a father, I am a pilot voice.
0: He just says that sounds fun, but yeah, in the, in the, in the uh, clearly adult voice Buster asked him where are the sewers, so that Arthur can write a bit about that. But you know what? I didn't even consider the Dark Knight Rises, but it is very much like a-
1: right. The Dark Knight Rises. That's what it's called. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, no, you, no, you got it right. I think one day, one day, Buster. I hope, <laughs> I hope to find you. I hope to find you in a caffeine parish, and I won't say anything to you. You won't say anything to me. We'll just nod. And I'll know that you're happy. <laughs> so glad you thought that. All right, so that's Arthur's faraway Friend. And now, a word from us kids.
1: And now, a word
0: from us kids. Feels like it's been a while since we've done one of these. And uh, this it one didn't was... didn't disappoint. Yeah, really. Uh, so the kids, just like Arthur and Buster writing stories, they're writing their own stories. So it's a... A classroom group of kids, and they are each writing one line of and making up a story. So there's like four or five of them in a group.
1: Uh, So there's four stories. Did you write down the notes for any of them, Will?
0: I wrote down a couple, but uh, I didn't...
1: I'll let let you go through them, and then I'll tell you which one was my favorite, and we'll see if uh, our opinions match up. Because I certainly think that one rose above the rest.
0: Well, I'm I'm afraid I didn't actually uh, write down what each of them... Uh, were, so I, so I'm going to have a little trouble remembering. Uh, there was one, there was one about a pig, right? Uh,
1: there was, that was the first one about uh, a pig that was, uh, gifted to someone and then was given away and then their uncle, uh, won a competition with it.
0: Right. Uh, there was. I think it was like uh, this little girl bought a pig, and then the next kid's line was, she hated that pig. And speaking of somebody needing to yes and, it's this kid who said she hated that pig. There's no story consistency here, man. Like, come on. Yes and. She got it and she loved it. Why would she get it if she hated it?
1: Yeah, a lot of these stories kind of get derailed very quickly.
0: And I mean, again, I don't mean to be critical of these kids, but I mean... Come on, uh, there was one. There was one about uh, I think the like a character named Flabba.
1: Yes, that's right, Flabba, who was really funny. And then aliens invaded, I think, and uh, Flabba defeated the aliens. I do not remember how.
0: Right. Uh, These kids
1: seemed really ex- like this was the, this was the one that seemed like a little bit of an inside joke. Like the kids seemed really excited to talk about Flabba.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, there was one about a scorpion in a purple bathing suit. I remember that one.
1: This one was by far the best of all of them because it was paced. It was so perfect how these kids work together because it was like, okay, there's a, there's a scorpion in a purple bathing suit. This guy comes by and he starts laughing at the scorpion and then everybody's laughing at the scorpion because it's hilarious. It's like, I think they specifically say they laughed at the scorpion because of what he's wearing. And then the scorpion laughs so hard that he faints. And then he wakes, the scorpion wakes up and realized it was all a dream. M Night Shyamalan style. There's the dramatic twist, but and then there's yet another twist when he still has the bathing suit on. And then the scorpion was happy he was alive.
0: That's my that was my favorite part of it was the it was the very last line of that story was he was happy to be alive. I mean, so say we all, kid. <laughs> This, the, you know, what the way you described it right now, I would not be surprised if this was like all an elaborate street prank by Eric Andre or something.
1: Oh my goodness, yeah, I like, I like, I love that third story because it's like what he's what he's got the the pants on still after the dream has ended. It's like, was it a dream at all? He still has those pants. Where do they come from?
0: Right, I can I can just imagine Eric Andre in just a busy New York street, just laughing at a scorpion with purple <laughs> with purple bathing suit on or something. It's pretty off the wall, but I mean pretty imaginative as well.
1: That might that might be his new character, Flabba.
0: Yeah, could be. And now back to Arthur. Uh all right. Here's Arthur and the Square Dance, our second story. We got we got uh, we got some good cold opens this this week uh with first uh Arthur's faraway friend with the Robin Hood. Now we're flashing forward into the future, and boy oh boy, does this raise a lot of questions.
1: Uh, oh my goodness gracious.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's 18-year-old Arthur who once again his idea of a grown-up is somebody who dresses like Mr. Ratburn.
1: Arthur when he turns 18 all of a sudden turns into a Coen brothers character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he's like it's it's the prototypical like character in a Coen brothers movie that has a big office and a bunch of weird uh uh tics and and um uh 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 like very... things they do uh uh sorry uh they have a bunch of weird tics and like oh, what's the word they're very
0: idiosyncratic
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, just, just just strange human beings. And Arthur's no exception. So it's, at 18 years old, he says, I'm officially an adult, and he owns his own catering business, which it is. It is this huge skyscraper in Elwood City with a flashing sign that says, Arthur's catering business at the top of it. That's- it's I mean, it was a lot to take in right away, because first of all, the notion of Arthur saying, uh, it's like I'm eighteen years old, I am now an adult, and like when i was mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it absolutely seemed plausible now that i'm well True. now that I'm well past eighteen,
1: I'm just like I didn't feel like an adult when I was eighteen. Are you kidding me? Also, you're barely in. You're bar- barely in post-secondary education. That's
0: right. And somehow Arthur jumping the front of the line. I guess we're we're anticipating that in the next ten years, uh, Dave Reed gets like a huge subsidy from the government or something to uh, to beef up his catering business, so that Arthur inherits the family fortune when he's eighteen or something. We
1: talked about how he's a little bit idiosyncratic. Uh, we get uh, uh, one of his many ticks include he owns a limousine but sometimes he likes to drive
0: mm. and he also he also does all the shopping for dinner which is a shopping cart piled high with like candy and chips and all this like like it's a real kids understanding of what an adult is and mm. boy oh boy is that no no truer again i remind you arthur is 18 years old he is living in what appears to be his parents house still uh, but it seems to be his because it has a gate, a monogrammed golden gate uh, at the front of it. And 18-year-old Arthur has a four-year-old son who looks just like him.
1: And also has his voice actor Yeah, who says, uh, what does he say? He's like, welcome home, Daddy. It's a really funny moment. Hi, Daddy. I love yeah. you. Yeah, that's what it is. It's so over the top.
0: So, of course, this is not meant to be, you know, scrutinized to the level that we're going to. But <laughs> so if. Oh, boy, I, I, I don't want to get into the mechanics of this too much uh, for our younger viewers. But all I'm saying is that Arthur would have had this kid when he was 14 or something like that. So not bad for a uh, for a teenage father to be the president mm. of his own company just four Very years later. successful. Yeah. Uh, and like we said, the kid looks just like him down to the glasses. And then, uh, the kid, the kid says, mom, daddy's home. And then Arthur's like mom. Cause of course he's, <laughs> he's putting on, <laughs> That's right. he, he's putting on the, I'm officially an adult. So that he has to drop the voice a little bit. And it turns out mom is Francine who, uh, kind of greets him she, in kind of a stereotypical way of just like, hi, honey. How about a hug and a big kiss? And she's wearing, like, the adult... Ver- High-waisted jeans, yeah, yeah mom she, jeans. Yeah, she's wearing, like, the adult version of the clothes that she wears normally. It's like a red kind of shirt, uh, like, button-up shirt and mom jeans. And, of course, Arthur's completely shocked to see her because he doesn't quite know how that part of adult living
1: works. It's true. He thought he had a test tube baby, like Kyle XY.
0: Yeah, or like uh, uh, like Catra from Gundam Wing. He thought it was, like, uh, this... Per, this perfect kid that he just grew in a lab
1: was kind of like mm. was kind of like a test tube baby Uh, I literally know two things about Kyle XY. Okay. (laughs) It's the fact that his name is Kyle XY and that he doesn't have a belly button. Yeah. And those are the two things I know about the short-lived television science fiction series, Kyle XY.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was another lost also ran of just, uh, promoting the mystery rather than the story of it all. Uh, so yeah, Arthur wakes up screaming and then says, it's nightmares like that that make me never want to grow up.
1: (laughs) That's right. I love I. Lo- it's something that will make me laugh at any time in any piece of media is the person screaming, lying in their bed jokes. It's why I was so into, I think, the Scorpion story so much, because I picture the Scorpion waking up and it was like, oh, it was all a dream. That's a joke that's always funny to me. Mm.
0: Uh, it's, it's kind of like the last episode. It's very interesting to look back on this one with uh With adult eyes, as we'll get into, because we're into, this is the very, very childhood problems, which is fine. I mean, Arthur is a kid's show, it's just not some, it's something that you relate differently to uh, when you're older.
1: It's funny that you say that, because I was actually going to say the exact same thing, like, any problems, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but any problems you may have had with the first episode in terms of uh, sort of knowing the context better than Arthur did himself, about, like, okay, this isn't that long to be waiting for your friend to come home. I had very similar feelings about the uh, sort of the the plot and the stakes of this episode.
0: <laughs> I think I know where you're going with that. Yeah, the, so the episode is called Arthur and the Square Dance because on rainy days, uh, instead of going outside to play, Arthur's class uh, does square dancing lessons with Mrs. McGrady in the in the school gym. Uh,
1: Which I wonder if is a a thing around all of America or if it's just a thing in a cartoon, because I know that I don't think this definitely happened where I went to school.
0: Yeah, American listeners, is this something that you had to do? Or if you're even outside of America, did you have to square dance when you uh, when there were rainy days? I'm sure this is based on some sort of fact, but it's definitely not what we had to do. I mean, we, we only did, you know, outside gym days in like the summer. So. That The mm. whole rainy thing never came into it.
1: Well, maybe it wasn't even gym. It was like uh, instead of recess, they would have to spend it inside. Because I do remember that sometimes when it was raining very hard.
0: Okay, could be. They're kind of learning how to square dance. Muffy's having trouble with Binky because he's very clumsy and overpowering. And he's not a, not a great dance partner. But Arthur and Francine seem to uh, get the hang of it. Uh, later on, Muffy asks Arthur if next time they could be partners. But Francine immediately very territorial over Arthur. She's just like, so- it's like, sorry, Muffy, but Arthur only uh, only dances with me. And then immediately says that she can give him a lift home. And then Muffy kind of says, "You'd think that they were uh, that they were married or something." And then this is where the rumor starts of Muffy and Binky uh, s- kind of starting the rumor that Francine and Arthur are in love.
1: I do kind of like the pairing of, uh, Muffy and Binky. They're they're, like, they come from very different sides of the tracks, uh, but they, they both are Arthur characters that are sometimes used as antagonists just because their personalities tend to lead that way. So I think they're a fun pair.
0: Yeah they're kind of I'd say probably the two most well maybe not the two most because Francine is up there too but two of the more uh, inflammatory of the Arthur gang like they're often cast as the antagonist or the person who is in the wrong so seeing them sort of work together or at least be on the same page is definitely an interesting dynamic Uh, like Binky here uh, when he's you know he says Arthur and Francine are in love I think I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> so very much that attitude towards it. The next day, Binky
1: is such an MVP in this episode. Like, there's so many good Binky moments. They're really. Like, are- I was, I was shocked by how good his like. Anta- uh, how good his antagonizing gets like it starts off like innocuous enough but like he does some top tier trolling in this episode
0: check out our social this week for uh, some great Binky screen caps I got quite a few and I've got some good ones coming uh, yeah so the next and-, and the best thing is that like Binky lords over this supposed information and like is milking it for all it's worth so like the next day at mm. school he's like waiting for Arthur to pass by and he's like just casually whistling and, you know, just like, hey, Arthur, where's your girlfriend? And it kind of stops Arthur dead in his tracks. Uh, yeah,
1: Arthur goes, my what?
0: Right. And my, my favorite thing is uh, Binky's like, you know, her middle name is Alice and she's a girl. Like the the only way he could have said that to make Arthur confused because, as established in the first season, Francine and Muffy both have the middle name Alice. And Arthur immediately goes, you mean Muffy. And he's just like, no, (laughs) doofus Francine. And uh, also some more great comedy from Binky. He tries to do the K-I-S-S-I-N-G rhyme, but he gets to K-I-S-N-I. Wait a minute. (laughs) K-I-S-F. Oh, well, you know what I mean. (laughs) It's it's great stuff. It's
1: all in the delivery for Binky.
0: Yeah no it's and it's funny once again I remind you uh Binky's uh voice actor the same as Dad Reed though b- the both very both very good roles or both very well voiced roles I find uh <laughs> Arthur is laughing about this as he goes into school he goes to tell Francine and uh she instead she gives him uh a cowboy hat she found a pair of cowboy hats uh in her basement the night before and so they kind of get their like couples cowboy hats Uh, and then Arthur suddenly becomes very self-conscious about it because everybody's kind of looking at them as the rumor begins to spread. And then Arthur kind of, uh, runs, runs away, uh, nervously, which by the way, we're going to get some great nervous Arthur acting later. Um, right before that
1: we have this bizarre moment where they both do their old west accents and Arthur like I don't (laughs) like listen I don't want to be too critical of Arthur's voice actor because he actually does have uh, or he or she has a lot of range Uh, we get some really great Uh, acting from them throughout the entire series but there's this weird moment where i don't know if the actor is capable of doing arthur's voice and a country west accent at the same time because it just turns into like an adult man's voice when he does the country west accent he's like or well, I don't mind if I do partner. It doesn't sound like the Arthur voice doing the accent. It just sounds like a completely different voice entirely.
0: Well, it was a younger actor doing Arthur's voice. I don't think he was like 8 years old or something, but might have been in the range. Michael Michael Yarmish who also uh, acted in a couple of other uh things like on YTV. Uh but yeah, he does really have to drop it. At, I'll be right proud, man. Like he, Yeah, like it doesn't
1: sound like Arthur?
0: <laughs> it, again, it kind of it kind of sounds a little bit like he's putting on his Hank Hill voice. Um mm. I got to say uh I feel like this could have this could be something that uh maybe other podcasts would have talked about sooner.
1: Arthur and Francine are are would you say that they're OTP, right? Kind of. I think we made this joke before that they were the 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 shipping. Yeah. We were talking about shipping in a very very early episode and then I I uh, pontificated about the Arthur and Buster or the Buster and Brain pairs. But uh, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big shipping guy. It's not a lot of, it's not something that occupies a lot of my headspace from time to time. So if that's your OTP, I'll leave it to you to make the final decision on that.
0: Sure. And if you have any OTPs, uh, I'd I'd love to hear them. I personally (laughs) would. Since, I mean, hey, if you want to send it to us, be our guest. And uh, I'm not saying that we'll read them on the show or anything, but uh, I think that would be uh, fun. Fun for me, at least, to kind of peruse. Um, hey, yep. I'm not
1: trying to yuck anybody's yum. It's just uh, <laughs> not my cup of tea.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, sh- we
1: get uh, we get kind of more binky heckling. Um, this was so. This is probably my favorite moment of either of these episodes. So
0: this, uh, I uh, what we're talking about right <laughs> now is that they're about to go do a baseball game, uh, and Francine decides to give Arthur her glove because she's trying to break in a new one. There's no real. Um, ulterior motive behind this one there's no ulterior motive here but other than her trying to break in the new glove but everybody kind of takes it as significant because the glove that she gives arthur is the glove that won last year's championship as everybody says and as arthur is out on the field and everybody sees this binky is just like looking over at him and just like puckering his lips and just making like
1: he just keeps doing that. But he, like, keeps changing, like, the speed of which when the kisses come. Like, it's just so strange. Like, he should be focusing on this athletic competition. Him and Arthur are on the same team. But he can't pass up the chance to, like, embarrass Arthur. So he's looking directly at him going, It's just so ridiculous. And I really appreciate, like, Binky's commitment to the bit. I mean, even
0: later on when Arthur tries to sit Francine down at the sugar bowl to kinda of talk to her about this, uh, Oh,
1: that shot's hilarious too. Like he's trying to see Binky creeping in the window.
0: He's trying to get around to it, and of course it's Arthur. He can't help but act awkward in the face of this in front of Francine. And Francine starting more and more to get suspicious, and especially because uh, Arthur's kinda of facing the window and out the window he sees Binky and Brain and Binky's like pressing his face up to the glass and making the kissy faces.
1: <laughs> Biggie not so worried about germs when comedy's at stake.
0: Certainly not, and for that, I appreciate it. Uh, we actually, uh, not even a full episode after he leaves, we get an appearance from Buster as uh, Arthur kind of puts in a phone call to him uh, to discuss this whole thing. And, of course, Buster, with all the sage wisdom of an eight-year-old boy, of just like, you know, all, you, all I gotta say is you gotta nip this one in the bud real quick because what if she tries to kiss you? because that's what girls do when with boy with boys they like, right? And this spirals Arthur into what I thought was a really funny uh, imagination scene with him in a doctor's office and again it's incredibly serious. It's it's serious almost as serious as the tone of the last story here. And
1: It's like it's like an it's like an ER joke or something like the music they choose and the way uh uh it's like Cut together, it's got the gravity of an ER opening. It's
0: so dire because he's just like, Mister and Missus Reed. I'm afraid I have bad news. Your son <laughs> has cooties. And and hey, great re- read here by uh by Arthur's mom's actor. She's just like, oh
1: my baby.
0: <laughs> it's great. And then just she was like. Two beats away from being like my
1: firstborn child.
0: No, right? uh, and and in fact, you know the the uh, the standard accepted image for cooties is Arthur covered with like lips with like lipstick kisses all over his body. Mm. And of course, I hadn't heard the word cooties, and I can't tell you how many years, Lucas.
1: I I, I can't re- didn't we hear it with the cootie catcher
0: okay well that's true but like i uh in in the wild let's say haven't heard yeah. haven't heard that since i was arthur's age probably even even younger maybe uh <laughs> like i said at this point arthur getting very nervous around francine and i think this i'm trying to remember what episode it was but there have been a couple of episodes where arthur's had to like try and act natural and it's the Ugh, it's the best he's so bad it's at that. the best it's really funny Um, like, Francine surprises him at the, at a locker, and, like, he literally turns around and screams when he sees her, and it's just like, (laughs) are you okay? Fine. Great. Super.
1: I kind of wish that they carried over his, like, uh, one episode gimmick of playing with his glasses when he's lying, because it really does fit with these moments. Like, it's great for that character.
0: Uh, there's, there's a funny thing where, like, it, you know, just, like, Arthur's like, why wouldn't I be acting normal? And Francine says, well, for one thing, you're about to enter the girl's bathroom. And then Arthur's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, it's just, just just a joke.
1: <laughs> oh, the, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, the delivery Arthur has for, like, oh, I'm just normal Arthur. Nothing weird going on here is so spot on. Uh, in fact, he's so desperate to
0: not be seen with Francine that at lunch the next day, he, uh, he sits with the tough customers instead of his... Uh, his uh, normal place with Francine and the rest of his friends. And it's like rattles um, the girl tough customer. We never really got a name and the, uh, the, the dog. Uh, I, we, I wish, again, I wish I knew their names, but this is, this is all a little bit on. of
1: wreck, a little bit of retconning here. Cause Arthur acts as if he has not met the tough customers before.
0: That's right. And they, and they are very surly towards him. Not really. Uh, and again, he's, is when Francine kind of comes over asks him why he isn't sitting with her he's just like she's a friend and <laughs> not, not my girlfriend or anything uh she's oh. just a friend who is also a girl like he's he's really he's really got a bit of a motor mouth when he's nervous in fact the the next scene where Francine goes to talk to Prunella it starts out great because uh Francine comes out of school Arthur sitting on the steps, and she says, Arthur, I want to talk to you. And he uses one of the best evasion tactics for not talking to someone. He just goes like, uh, uh, tag, you're it, and runs away.
1: <laughs> I have to keep this one in my back pocket if i am ever, like, uh, served a subpoena or something.
0: I, I, I wish I would have used it when I was a kid. That's a perfect way of getting out of a conversation you don't want to have. Uh, Mm. Like I said, uh, Francine kind of talks to Prunella and Prunella kind of acting in the same role that Buster was, kind of giving her advice, uh, determining that because Arthur is so nervous around her, uh, it must be because he's in love with her, which Francine thinks is laughable. But Prunella says all the signs are there and that Francine has to let him down gently or she could break his heart. I thought this uh, Prunella cameo was totally inoffensive.
1: It's true. It was totally inoffensive and this has nothing to do with Prunella, but this is the moment where I started to kind of check out on this episode, uh, in the, in, in that my notes kind of get a little bit sparse around here just because this is kind of a trope we've seen before so many times. And like, it's so obvious where this all is going that I, I got a little bored with the goings on just because it's like, okay, I, I could see the end of this episode a mile away.
0: Right. Uh, I liked that Pernella said that Arthur has major love disease.
1: Mm. I don't know what's funnier that or the the fatal case of cooties.
0: Yeah. Don't be afraid to catch feelings, Arthur. Uh. Mm. The next day at lunch, uh, uh, it's it's a sunny day out, and uh, Arthur's Arthur and Francine are getting their food, but Mrs. McGrady says that they'll be square dancing that afternoon. And she says, when her elbow acts up, that means a storm is coming. And then as soon as she says that, the rain starts. And it's kind of a strange line here from Mrs. McGrady. She says, yep, cat gut don't lie. Which I'm guessing that her, her elbow implant must be made out of cat gut, almost like a violin or something.
1: Uh, I, I m- missed this completely because I didn't quite understand what she said by when she, uh, I didn't quite understand what she meant when she said cat gut. I just assumed that I had misheard something, and so I moved on and tried to infer what she was talking about from context clues, like I said. But, um, is violence made from cat gut?
0: No, okay, that's, no, I, you know what, I'm gonna take that back. I'm, But I remember... I'm getting my I'm getting my knowledge from TV again uh there's an episode of Hannibal where it's like the crime is involving some like violins to some degree I don't want to describe it too much because it's pretty gory but I remember and I and I think I've heard this elsewhere that like violin strings are made out of like the gut of some animal I don't think it's cat but it's like something gut like hmm. like uh animal gut is 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 a uh is a um not a f- uh, it's it's a material that you can make things out of, at least in terms of some animals. So I imagine that okay. cat gut must be it.
1: There's two possibilities here. Yeah. Uh, one is that cat gut don't lie is just a really famous turd of phrase that we're not familiar with. Or two, and this is a little bit out there, but what kind of animal do you think Mrs. McGrady is?
0: You know, I had pointy ears, oh. pink
1: nose. Oh. She's a cat, Oh. and, and her gut's not lying. No. Or should I say she's a funny cat?
0: <laughs> you know, I didn't even think of that. I, di- I didn't even put any mind to... Uh, uh, wow. No, I didn't even think of that. Uh, thank you, Wikipedia. Cat gut is a type of cord that is prepared from the natural fiber found in the walls of animal intestines. Sorry, anybody uh, that finds this particularly gross. Uh, cat gut makers usually use sheep or goat. But occasionally use cattle, hogs, horses, mules, or donkeys. So I don't know why it's called. Oh, it's an abbreviation of cattle gut.
1: Oh,
0: oh. Despite the name, cat gut manufacturers do not use cat intestines.
1: Okay. All right. I guess that's on us.
0: Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, a, a trip to Wikipedia was all it took, as you hear. Uh, but yeah, it is. It is to make uh, the um, the strings on string instruments like violins. So Hmm. mystery solved, I guess. But I like where you were going with yours. I would have totally bought that if I hadn't looked that up. Uh, And finally, we get the big confrontation between Arthur and Francine at the Square Dance. They've switched partners. Arthur's with Muffy and Francine's with Binky. And it's not going so well. They're just not as naturally good together as Arthur and Francine are. Uh, And eventually, they just end end up locking hands in a a Promenade-type move. And then they both just have to explicitly... Uh, yell at each other i'm not in love with you and uh, I, I like i like francine's line here of arthur saying you don't you're not trying to kiss me and francine says are you kidding i'd rather
1: have head lice <laughs> which is a good line
0: uh and then everybody kind of giggles at them and they uh but then but then but then they just kind of make up and in fact the episode ends pretty much right here with them going back into the promenade motion and Arthur says, "Francine, let's never let a silly thing like love come between us again." And that's the which is
1: usually a line used for episodes where people are like fighting over someone or something. Yeah, it's kind of weird in this context.
0: Yeah, it's not exactly the way that you're used to seeing it. All right, so uh, let's dial it back here. Arthur's faraway friend, Lucas. What do you think of this?
1: Well I actually didn't understand that this episode was about Buster leaving when I first read Arthur's faraway friend uh, I didn't remember that it was this episode so I was kind of as shocked as Arthur when he comes in the room and he's le- and Buster's like hey I'm gonna be going away for a while and so that moment actually did have the intended amount of gravity for me so I actually really enjoyed this episode it balances well some humorous moments for instance Arthur, Uh, offering to dig a pit for Buster to live in, uh, with some like somber moments of Buster saying goodbye to everything and Arthur sort of wrestling with the reality that his friend's going to be gone, albeit for only a few months. Uh, And I did like the conclusion of Arthur sort of seeing the positive side of Buster going to all these places and still being able to communicate with him. It also was an episode that moved. Uh, it had—I was never bored during it. It had a great pace to it. There was a lot of interesting sights. Loved the cutaways to their, their fan fiction of Robin Hood. Uh, I really enjoyed it overall.
0: I think it was—again, to- uh, it's another case of talking about the episode kind of helps me to realize my feelings on it. I think I was too caught up when I was watching it about the fact that, like, oh, they admit that Buster's only going to be gone for a couple of months, and to me— Again, as I say, as an adult, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but I, in talking about it, I had to kind of put myself in the shoes of what Arthur's intended audience is. And I think if you don't, if you kind of leave, in my case, if you leave your feelings to the side about that particular thing, I think it's a pretty strong episode. And I think it's, like I said, good resource for friends who have uh, friends who move, sorry, kids who have friends that move away. Um, Arthur deals with it in a way that a lot of kids would, and just trying to get them to stay at any cost, and being very sad. But again, kind of sees it as a positive thing by the end of the episode, puts a positive spin on it, and I think that that's uh, a really good thing to do. Uh, although we knew that, we know that the um, the effects of this episode won't exactly be far reaching. It was kind of interesting to see Arthur treat a subject with the gravity here that it does. We're not exactly used to that yet. A lot of the uh, episodes are pretty, pretty lighthearted, but uh, it gets pretty sad. There uh, at the end of the middle part where Buster does indeed move away and uh, it's going to be, I mean, unfortunately, aside from a cameo here and there, Buster's not going to be in the rest of the season. He's not a regular character, which I thought was uh, an interesting decision. I wonder if there was something else that kind of um, necessitated it. I don't know if the voice actor had to, you know, go elsewhere or what have you, but uh, yeah, it's going to be weird not having a bunch of episodes without Buster as a main fixture.
1: It's like I said, uh, not since Pal's introduction. When Pal was first introduced, it was one of the first pieces of continuity in Arthur. Because once Pal was there, he was there for all the remaining episodes. Uh, This is similar in that instead of a character being added to the cast, it's a character kind of being removed. Uh, so it's interesting, and I, and the more continuity this show has, the more I enjoy it, because it makes all the characters feel that much more real, and uh, makes the world breathe a little bit more. So I think it's an interesting decision, even though Buster's one of my favorites, yeah. and so I'll miss him just as much as Arthur.
0: Yeah, he will be missed around these parts. Arthur and the Square Dance, man, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's another thing where clearly this is meant for a younger audience in mind, and... I can try and put myself in the shoes of you know seven-year-old Will watching this but even then I'm not sure if it really meant all that much to me the whole conflict of like oh people think that uh, Arthur and Francine are in love and this whole kind of thing it really did not do very much for me at all you said that you were getting bored through this episode and right around the same time that you mentioned that you were kind of checking out I think I was too like I was I didn't have a lot of time for this it wasn't it just wasn't all that interesting, and it felt, especially because it was. It seems like the Buster episode probably should have been the second one in this pairing, because after the Buster episode, it felt like this was, like, so low stakes that it almost seemed like, why are we even telling the story, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is probably one of my least favorite episodes of the season thus far. I just found it kind of boring. Uh, And because the stakes are so low, and I know we're not the intended audience for this, so this episode might uh, be—we might be extra sensitive to not liking this episode just because it's so not meant for us. But still, like, it just—it doesn't move very well. Uh, I will say the positive elements, I love the crazy opening where Arthur's like this 18-year-old CEO of his catering business. Yeah. Uh, who drives his own limo. That part's out of left field and awesome. I also say that Binky really shines through in this episode in his constant antagonizing of Arthur, uh, especially when he's making those kissing noises on the baseball field. That cracked me up. But besides that, I really, really just didn't enjoy this episode.
0: Yeah, it did have its funny parts, which I think is is worth noting, but uh, there have been better Arthur episodes that have been just as funny as this one. All right, so there you go. It's Arthur's faraway friend Arthur in the square dance, and now we enter into the Busterless part of season two, or at least at least the uh, um, the Buster Light episode. So we'll have to see. And I'll tell
1: you what, uh, Buster's exit totally delivered, and it has me that all all that more excited for the inevitable re in- introduction of Buster, especially which yeah. If my memory serves me correct, might be one of the greatest episodes of all time.
0: I can't wait for that either. That's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, man. I feel like we'll need a whole episode just for that one story. Yeah, you might be right. All right, well, there
0: you go. That's our uh, ECL episode for today. Real quick, uh, here's the ways that you can uh, interact with us online. Uh, Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, thank you to uh, Michael Danny DeCoste for uh, your five-star review of our uh, podcast. If you want to do that on Facebook, you sure can. At ECL Podcast, I'm happy to report we have over 100 followers. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Congrats to us. Pat on the back.
0: Big time. And I uh, want to thank the, uh, the promotion of... Uh, at Messi underscore Jordan, a uh, YouTuber, uh, who, uh, has his own, uh, couple of Arthur videos. One of them I'm going to be, uh, putting up this week on our social, uh, very cool guy. And, uh, thank you for getting the word out there about us over a hundred followers and you could be our next at ECL podcast, uh, Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. Anonymous asks are open. Be my guest. Uh, Keep it clean. Uh, We've got our email address where you can send us email just like our lovely uh, listeners did today. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Finally, the ways you can listen to us. We are on the web. ElwoodCityLimits.LibSyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. That's where you can find all of the episodes. You can also find us on Apple Music. Head on over there in the podcast section and give us a rating and review if you please. And on the Google Play Store, that's where we are too. So three ways that you can listen to us. We don't have our SoundCloud anymore. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit of Uh, I won't say jumping the gun, but once there was kind of that news about SoundCloud maybe going under, I decided to switch us to a different provider. So unfortunately, our SoundCloud is still there, but it won't have all of the episodes. So it's better you go through Libsyn, Apple Music, or Google Play. And if there's any other services that you'd like to hear Elwood City Limits on, please let us know by getting in touch with us. And uh one more note about our social media. This week we got a couple of very good suggestions about potential guests for the show. Uh we are lining some people up for the next couple of months and if you would like to uh if you would if you know somebody who loves Arthur as much if not more than we do and who would be great on the show, let us know through social media or through email. We've got we've got a couple of good guests coming our way, Lucas.
1: Oh, I'm, I, I I, think we have a few lined up in the back end, and I'm excited uh, for those episodes as well. Hopefully they get a good episode to pair with them. Could you imagine if we had a guest for that faithful Buster return?
0: Man, that would be quite the get. We'll just have to see how the schedule pans out, and our guests will just have to cross their fingers and hope for the best. And next week, we've got us a new uh, pair of stories coming up, and this, again, is our first one where Buster is not going to be part of the main gang, so we have to start focusing on some different people. We've got uh, Water and the Brain, followed by Arthur the Unfunny. I,
1: I don't know what either of those are, so exciting stuff.
0: I remember I remember both of these pretty well, so I'll be interested to see how they hit, especially a brain-centric episode. Uh, this might be one of the first. All right, so for Elwood City Limits, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for all your feedback and for supporting us. My name is Will Young and Lucas Mancini.
1: Walla Walla, where's Walla Walla? What's Walla Walla?
0: Thanks a lot, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great week.